0: Hi, I'm Maeve Marsden, and you're listening to Queer Stories, the podcast for the monthly LGBTQIA storytelling night I run at Giant Dwarf in Redfern, with support from the City of Sydney. This week, writer and commentator Helen Razor. All right, comrades, first, a warning. I'm going to disappoint you all, all of you, even those of you who had already prepared for disappointment. And only really came to see Alan, which, let's face it, was all of us. Um, But my point is, even if your hopes for a good story were already low when you heard the name Helen Razor, which, if it is known to you at all, and let's face it, I've fallen off the radar a bit, is synonymous to you only with pessimistic ranting. Even if they were that low, lower than the belly of a snake... Lower than the talent of a body empowerment, trapeze and burlesque workshop in Newtown. <laughs> or lower even than your chances of ever fucking buying property in Sydney. <laughs> Comrades, lower the more. This story will end in disappointment. My story is without hope. My hope, which I gave up around the same time body empowerment workshops for bi-curious women began to take hold of my postcode, (laughs) must become your hope. The end of this story is yours to write. I will tell you a story for you to end because stories are no longer really mine to tell. Being a white, tertiary-educated, media-class cis person who has somehow retained her media employment for 25 fucking years... (laughs) I should surely now I believe shut the fuck up about my overrepresented life. <laughs> I mean comrades, do you really need another story from another stone-washed honky-press whore on the precipice of menopause? <laughs> <laughs> Who whines about how people are mean to her now that her tits have gone south, exactly the way of her reason? <laughs> no. You fucking don't. Let's have a moratorium on all stories of self-discovery by white midlife women whose greatest hardship is that some man talked over them on a middle-brow ABC panel show sometime. So oppressed. So you read about and hear from people in my culturally pampered class all the time. So I thought that the ethical thing to do would be not to select my own story but to leave the story about me, which I'm required to tell, up to chance. And I did this by Googling my name this morning (laughs) and reading the latest result about Helen written by someone other than Helen and starting from there. And looky-loo, in today's edition of The Australian, there I am. My belonged to one Shannon Malloy. <laughs> you may remember Shannon from such News Corp internet hits as I was bullied at school for being gay and more recently I was bullied on Twitter by gays which reminded me a lot of being bullied at school for being <laughs> gay. Because it's exactly the same thing. The work of this reporter was unknown to me until last month when a cranky queer friend of mine sent me a text containing a URL and the words, fucking cop this. (laughs) The link led to a piece published on several of News Corp's digital properties and some print properties, and it was headlined, When bullying is from within, it hurts all the more. If you're not on top of Mr Malloy's pain of a sort so deep, it could surely only be repaired with a gift certificate to a body empowerment trapeze and burlesque (laughs) workshop in Newtown and we'll be crowdfunding later. Here's the short version. Two cranky gay blokes from Melbourne started posting to the New South Wales Gay and Lesbian Rights Lobby on social media that an an employee, unnamed, of News Corp, a company with a, a, a robust and recent history of shaming queers from... Bill Leake's politically correct rainbow Nazis to Miranda Devine's calls to, I don't know, I never fucking read her. (laughs) (laughs) Maybe have homosexual bodies repurposed as nativity statues, whatever she's writing about. They said anybody that worked for that publication should not be represented on the GLRL um, Committee of Management. They didn't mention Mr Malloy's name. He mentioned theirs. I will say they were being grumpy chaps around my age and things happen. They were fairly persistent. They weren't rude, but they were stubborn. Now, even if Malloy was a gay, and apparently he's a gay, and therefore, as we all know, an angel, (laughs) what he chose to do here to answer his critics, who were actually unsuccessful in their attempt to sway the GLRL was exactly what his uh, colleague Andrew Bolt has done on more than one occasion. That is, proclaim on the front pages (laughs) of the nation's most powerful and worst news organisation that he is being silenced (laughs) by people you've never heard of! (laughs) Help Paul Whittle me! An oppressed object of derision with nowhere to tell my story about my hard day on Twitter except, well, everywhere, at all times. (laughs) (laughs) So being, you know, a bit of a cunt with no money who really no longer gives a shit what any of you think of her, I wrote my little piece um, in which I mentioned not only the parallels between Andrew Bolt and Malloy, but the fact that there was in LGBTQIA circles, people who had good arguments against the management of our advocacy groups by people who worked for even helmed publicly listed companies. Yeah. Now, if some of you are old enough, you might remember a long time ago before Mardi Gras was sponsored by telcos with <laughs> questionable employment practices. A time before, the ATMs in Oxford Street congratulated you for paying not only 25% credit a year but for being queer. And you may remember that time before parental advisory notices weren't on Mardi Gras flyers. Mardi Gras once was just a big parental advisory sticker. (laughs) You might remember a time where not everyone was centrist and moderate and proud to be part of institutions rather than revolutions. You knew people, sure, who had the dream of state-sanctioned marriage and felt that acceptability was their goal. But you may have also known people, you may still know people, who did not believe in gentle reform but radical action. Men in particular who had lived through the worst days of HIV-AIDS and had seen not only that the networks in the queer community would feed them better, faster and much more tastefully than the state, um, but truly heroic lay researchers like the late Martin Delaney who would accelerate drug research and not Big Pharma. Big Pharma didn't do that. Radical action worked. Uh, So I said this in a small piece behind a paywall with just a few thousand subscribers about a month ago, not News Corp. I did not malign Malloy. I merely said that his politics of acceptability and his belief in reform were not things shared by all queer people and that what he had confronted perhaps was maybe not so much bullying but politics. (laughs) Even maybe like the politics you might find in a school canteen committee... Operating as usual. I did not say that centrist reform politics were bad, even though they are. (laughs) I just said that the cranky kind was what some of us preferred. It was made known to me by several compassionate straight ladies that he was very, very upset by this. I don't know why, because on the day that he bravely came out as the Andrew Bolt of um, LGBTI, he'd received accolades in Parliament. He'd received the, the wide benediction of all at News Corp and all sorts of bouquets from our prominent centrist news celebrities like Lee Sales, people eager to chide the unacceptable homosexuals. It was strange that he could still be upset by something not particularly unpleasant a cranky old sow said to a few thousand people. So I guess today he's still cheesed because one, one month later he's in the Australian doing what they do in the Australian and saying that radical action or, to use his language, militant and sweat-drenched <laughs> is not strategic, Helen, but it's a relic from the 60s. He said that if you work outside the system, you can achieve nothing. Get with the program, trademark. He said that me and others like me are childish and naive. He asks me, "What should we raid Parliament and take over the place?" Fuck him up. Yes! Yeah. Yes! Yeah. To which I say, comrades, in this centenary year of the bloodless uprising in Russia, why the fuck not? Yeah. So I ask you to end this story and find within yourself if it's still possible to dream about more than the acceptance of others and think about the rejection of a system of complexes that has for so long rejected us. Do we want the imprimatur of a world that has medicalised and criminalised us and many others? Or can we begin to think that inclusion is a goal we might achieve but at what cost? What about the prize, not just for us, but for all, of taking the experience of exclusion, which brought us pain, sure, but also rich new ways of doing things (laughs) and make something better? Why not dream of a raid on institutions? Why not dream of saying we know how to do some stuff better than it has been done? Why not dare to move just a little from the inside back to the fucking margins? I understand that many people believe that history is moved along by nice centrist people in suits who prove that even others can be respectable. I also understand that Malcolm X might disagree. Raid the house. You can continue to believe, if you will, in Malloy's reform. You can support those in C-suites who come out. Um, you can crave perhaps even live a normal wife. What you cannot do, I believe, is continue to believe that positive change has been brought about largely through civilised meetings. And this is not a dusty relic retained from Stonewall 48 years ago this Wednesday. This is not a lost dream of the 60s. It's not naive to say that action that takes place outside Malloy's preferred territory achieves nothing when it has and continues to achieve everything. How can we look at our comrades in London right now fighting for their right to safe shelter and scold them for shouting too loud? How can we say to Black Lives Matter, things would be a lot better for you if you just wore some nice outfits? <laughs> How can we say to Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander peoples, you guys must all agree to whatever constitutional changes the best-dressed among you recommends? <laughs> this would This is naive just as it is naive to say that the only way that change occurs is through the pages of a middle Australian piss rag. Yeah. <laughs> I don't give a fuck if Mrs Kafups from our time and feels my pain. <laughs> Especially when she reads about it beneath another article dem- demonising my Muslim comrades... I care more that my queer comrades take their pain and take their experience and turn it into something more substantial than a call for respectability in a piss rag. And I care very much that we can begin to see beyond the Malloy horizon of incremental change for the acceptable few. I care for a raid by us, the many. I care for you to write the end of this story, now told for the 40 years of neoliberalism, that we should just all get with the dominant program. I'm fucking too old to finish this up. It's up to you. Please write a conclusion to this inclusion bullshit that ends with something better than reform. Don't disappoint me like my story has disappointed you. (laughs) Thanks for listening. For tickets to the next Queer Stories, visit giantdwarf.com.au. To check out other events I produce and perform in, visit mavemarsden.com. And if you'd like advance or discount tickets to these shows, look me up on crowdfunding platform Patreon.